0: So my title this morning is Boundaries of Faith, but we're going to be focused on one. Boundaries of Faith, but we're going to be focused on one. If you have your Bibles, our main text this morning, it's going to come from Matthew chapter 25. And I extremely apologize. I'm doing something today that I've never, ever done before. I'm going to read from the Message Translation. I really like the way that the Message Translation put this story this morning. I usually always use New Living or... You know, NIV, New King James, all those great ones. So this morning it's going to sound a little different because it's really, really simple. If you have your Bibles, well, you probably won't have the message translation, but you can read on the screen. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, and it starts like this. It says, it also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and he delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000. Sounds good. To another, he gave 2,000. To a third, 1,000. Depending on their abilities, their capacities, and then he left. Right off, the first servant who went to work and he doubled his master's investment. He doubled the master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with a single thousand, he dug a hole and he carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back a long absence the master came back with his three servants he came back to settle with them and then one that when he gave five thousand dollars he showed him how much he had doubled his investment his master commended him good work you did your job well from now on you will be my partner the servant with two thousand dollars showed up and he said look i've doubled your investment his master commended him good work you did your job well from now on You will be what? My partner. The servant gave him one thousand, said, Master, I know you have high standards. You hate careless ways. You demand the best, and you make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and I secured your money. Here it is, safe, sound, down to the last penny. Verse 26, the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take a 1,000, take the 1,000, and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this, play it safe, who won't go out on a limb, throw them out in utter darkness. So, this morning, as we break down this beautiful story, every story has a beginning. Turn to your neighbor and say, every, every place, every story has a beginning. Every story, every one of us, we're here, we're alive. Pinch yourself, I'm alive, woo, yippee, I'm here. But you had a beginning. When mom gave, when mom and dad um, did what they needed to do, right, you were put together. You had a beginning. And look at us now. We are in 2022. It is March, soon to be April. I, I thought, you know, 30 years ago we'd be in flying cars, flying skateboards by now, but it's not there yet, right? 2022, here we are. We've made it to this point. You had a beautiful beginning, Imagine growing inside your mother's womb. You had a beautiful beginning. And just as this story has a beginning, just as you had a beginning, this place that we live in also has a beginning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Faith is the assurance, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things that we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see. The conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact when not revealed to senses. Verse 2. For by faith, trust, holy fervor, born of faith. The men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. Verse 3. By faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, by faith. We understand that the world's... The, the beginning were framed, fashioned, put in order, equipped for their intended purpose, for the word of God, so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. What I love about God tells us that he's a creator. Now, if any of us went to high school, I'm sure all of us passed with flying colors. Some of us learned in high school that we might have come from monkeys, right, that we might have come from slime, which is funny because there's really no evidence for either, right? You can, you can talk about it, and I'd love to debate about it, right? So we won't right now, but if you want to debate those two things, I love to argue. Ask my wife. I love to argue. I love to debate. And so if any of you want to talk about evolution or Big Bang Theory anytime, believe me, we can have some fun. I believe with all my heart. <laughs> all right, Sam, you're, you're first. I believe with all my heart we were created. There is no way I'm related to a monkey. Now, some of us smell like one sometimes. There's no no doubt about that, right? And some of us act like one sometimes. But it takes faith, number one, to believe that God created everything. And there is proof. There's absolute proof by the way you study the earth. The way you study the earth, the way you study the galaxy, the way you even study the moon and the amount of dust that is on the moon itself, it proves that there is an absolute creator. We were formed out of nothing. We did not come... From monkeys, we didn't come from slime, and nor did two planets collide. We were created by God. It starts, every story, every beginning, it starts with faith. And it takes faith to believe in the Almighty God. As Hebrew 11, one of the greatest chapters on faith, if you like faith and talking about faith, read Hebrews 11. It is an amazing chapter on faith and what faith is. It takes faith to understand that the world was put together by God alone, not by us, but God alone. So in this story, it has a beginning, and we know that every beginning, it starts with our God, our creator, and it is described in this story because it says the man, and the man that he's talking about said, the man was God himself. And he says that in the beginning, me, God, I put everything together. I got my people together, and then I gave him some gifts. Now, the word you're, you're used to, most of us are used to this story is the parable of the talents, Right? The, the message translation turned it into dollars, 5,000, 2,000, 1,000. Other translations will say a bag of gold, bag of silver. When he says that he gave them talents, the, the picture that Jesus was describing, just one bag of, of talent, one talent, was worth 20 years wages, 6,000 days of work. 6,000 days of work, so the guy who got five, you can multiply that in your head, just think he got 6,000 times five, pay in one moment, in one second. So talents or money, bottom line is Jesus describing every single person is built with capacity. Turn to your neighbor and say, capacity. You were created with capacity. If you look capacity in the, in the dictionary, it is the maximum amount that something can contain. And so as they describe this story and as Jesus is describing this story, he gave money to three different guys to the capacity of what they could handle. He gave them money to the capacity of what they could handle. Secondly, we see that he created them for a purpose, He gave them money. And as the language that Jesus was using, He says, I'm giving you money because I want you to steward the money that I'm gonna give to you. And as you get money, I want you to be a manager and I want you to manage the money that I'm giving you. And thirdly, He says, as I give you money, I want you to advance. I want you not to just hold to. I want you to advance the money in which I give to you. To steward, to manage, and to advance the resources. And so as he is speaking to this story, he's also speaking to us. We were created with such a great capacity. We were created with the ability, with the talents, with the capacity. Number one, to hold Jesus, the greatest gift in all of the world. Six weeks till Easter, right? Six weeks. Great weeks till Easter, till we celebrate one of the greatest things, not just Easter, but it is Resurrection Sunday, the greatest thing that has ever happened on this planet when Jesus rose from the dead. These bodies, number one, capacity to hold Jesus Himself. But God described it in this story you were created for capacity, number two, you were created for a purpose created for a purpose, to steward, to manage, and to advance the resources of the kingdom of God. And you think about what are the resources that God gives us? Number one, time. God gives us time every single day. We know there's 24 hours. Some of us make good use of our time. Others do not. Sometimes we, we go a good week making good of our time, and then we blow a week, and we just do nothing, and we sit on the couch, and we eat chocolate and ice cream and all those good things. And nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, nothing wrong with having an off day, right? You've got to have a splurge day or splurge week once in a while. But as you ask yourself, how do I manage the time that God gives me? How do I steward the time that God gives me? How do I manage the time in a day that he gives me? How do I manage the capacity in which I'm built? Do I maximize this life, this body? Do I maximize everything that God has given to me? Now, I don't know about you, but I know that many of us, many of us, and many people around the world are not happy with the capacity which they were given. Many people, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people, how many look in the mirror and say, "Ah, I want to change this. How many people not happy physically, not stewarding the capacity, the body, the vessel, the container in which we're given? The resources, you know, one of the greatest resources ever will be the Bible. This has been passed down from men who, when they they penned this, when they wrote it down, they were so careful, one letter at a time. And if they made a mistake, they would burn the scroll and they would start over they took such great care, they took such great love and passion to make sure that what they passed down to us was 100% accurate because they didn't want us to miss just one thing, one letter at a time. So careful. God has given us this resource in the Bible. God has given us spiritual gifts. Some of us in here, we have the gift of faith. We can believe. My wife is one of them. She can believe for anything. And I'm telling you, when she prays, it happens. Some of us have the gift of prophecy. When we're thinking about somebody, well, God will give us a word for that person. We have a gift. We have that gift of knowledge and and prophecy. Obviously, some of us have the gift of music. Most of us, you know, envy those who like music but can never play music. Right? Some of us have that natural gift of music that God gives. One of the greatest gifts ever, the gift of family. And and the greatest gift, not only family, is the person you're sitting next to, people, each other. God created us for connection. God created us to be around people. So to think about stewardship, to be a manager. How many of you have ever had a job as a young kid and you're thinking, I just can't wait to be a manager, to be the boss? You know what? You already are. You already are. You're the steward and you're the boss of the capacity, the vessel, the container that God has given to you. So you can say to yourself, I'm the boss. Yes, I'm the boss, finally. I'm the boss. And you are. You're the boss of everything that God has given to you. You get to steward. You get to manage. You don't get to own. You don't get to own it. You get to manage it. And then you get to advance everything that he's given to you. You know what the coolest thing in this story is? I read through this story. Two men in talent, gold, silver, 5,000, 2,000. One guy was given 2,000 and he doubled it. One guy was given 5,000 and he doubled it. But when the king and when Jesus comes back and he's talking with these men, the reward and the blessing were exactly the same. The principle, the formula, the blessing, exactly the same. In your life, obedience always equals blessing. So no matter what we're given, the laws of life, the principles of life, the principles of the Bible, some that have, as you can see, all my lovely containers up here. Now, if you were to compare yourself to this little container, some of us, eh, not so happy, right? I like this one. it got curves. It's tall. It's plastic, right? Baja Fresh, our favorite place to eat. And so some of us, we feel like some days, this is all that I was given in life and it's never enough. It's all that I was given. I even brought some glass because how many of us know glass is fragile, we break easy. I'd like to break it, but I don't wanna clean it up. <laughs> and to make the point, no matter what you're given, the formula will always be the same for all of us. We get so jealous of what other people have we envy people and whatever they have, the formula is the same. If you obey, you will be blessed. If you have a little bit, like the guy with 2,000, he obeyed, he doubled it, the reward, he became a partner of the company. Why? Because he was obedient. That's it. The formula is simple. Listen, listen carefully, and then obey. And if you do that, you will be blessed. Obedience always equals blessing. Both of these guys got the same reward. They both were said, good job, you the man, you my partner. They both got the same blessing. You know, Genesis 12, says this. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I will show you, Hammett. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'm gonna make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with content. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is the Abraham covenant that God made with Abram. And as God made this, you know what Paul said later on in the Bible? He said, if you believe, if you have faith in God, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then you get to share in the same exact blessing. The same blessing that I just read through says that I will make you in a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to other people. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with content. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Apostle Paul said, If you believe, turn your neighbor and say, Do you believe? Yes. If you believe like Abram in God and trust, then you will be blessed. Just the same. Obedience equals what? Blessing. Now, many times in life, we ask ourselves this question for who? And we see that with the three men described in the story, the two guys. Two guys did this for their boss, and I can tell you I've had a lot of different bosses in my life, some that I like working for and some that I do not. Some that were awesome and amazing, and they, they acted like they cared, and so you felt good, right? And then I have other bosses that you just want to take them outside and beat them up, right? These guys in the stories, we don't know if they like the king. We don't know if they like their boss. We don't know if they like their master who is describing this story, but two guys heard what their boss asked them and then what did they do they did what their boss asked them to do the third guy in the story he decided what my boss says it's not important what my boss says doesn't apply to me you know there's many believers today who who have that mindset god says forgive i don't want to forgive god says to honor i don't want to honor god says to love everybody we say i don't want to love everybody just like that guy in the story what the boss says, he's the boss. God's the boss, his word, it's the boss. It's the translation, it's the word. What he says. Exactly, Andy. What he says, what he put in here, what he says. Do we do it for him or do we do it like for ourselves? Like the guy, the last guy in the story who said, you know what? I don't have to listen to anybody. I don't have to listen to anybody. I don't care what you give me. I don't care what you say to me. Two guys did what their boss told them to do, whether they liked their boss or not. Whether they liked the boss or not, they did what their boss told them to do. The other guy, he did nothing. It was only for himself. You know, in the end, every story has an ending. And it's, it's sad because in every story with an ending, every story ends sometimes a little bit differently. And in this story and in this ending, we see the two men were blessed. The picture that Jesus described in the end It says that the guy who did nothing is going to be cast to outer darkness. Jesus wasn't referring to hell, believe it or not. When he says this man was going to be cast into outer darkness, you know what he was referring to? Sending this man to a place where he'll live with regret the rest of his life. The the imagery that Jesus used, when we read this all the time, it says he's going to be cast into outer darkness. Most of us are thinking, man, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to be sent to hell. And that's partially true. But even worse than being sent to hell is dying with regret, dying with shame, dying with guilt. And this is the imagery that Jesus said, the man who does nothing, they will live in a lonely place with full of regrets. Life is short. Life is short. Life is short. Life is short. Not all of us are as tall as Andrew. Life is short. Some of most of us are shorter than Andrew. I think everybody in here is. He's not tall, but we're all short. I don't know, I think Mark's close. But you guys, life is so short. And if life is so short, how have you made it to this point and how will you live the rest? Will you be the guy who ends with a blessing? Or will you be the one who ends with regret? Now, this morning I want to spend some time being focused on the one. Turn to your neighbor and say, focused on the one. And I ask myself for this poor guy, because I feel bad. I do have, believe it or not, I know this is shocking, I do have a heart. It does beat. Even though I'm nice sometimes. Believe it or not, even though I'm a little stingy at times. And so sometimes I make the, the dumbest jokes about money, right? And, and what, which one of us has never made a joke about somebody spending our money, right? Our money, yes, exactly, our money. And I wonder what happened in this story to the one, why was he not willing to do anything? Because when the king had a conversation with him, he said, all you had to do was walk into the bank give it to a banker, and you could have left it alone. You didn't have to work. How long does it take? Now, it depends where you bank, right? If you bank at J.P. Morgan Chase, it takes hours to get through the teller, right? Some places, you get right in, and you're in, you're out, boom, boom. We don't know how busy the banks were back then, so maybe he didn't go because the banks were crowded. Maybe they were so busy, right? We don't know. But he didn't even want to do the little he didn't want to do the least and even just drop off the money to somebody else and let somebody else do all the work. Was he concerned maybe with the two other guys? And he's looking at him like, man, those guys are awesome. Look at them. They have the best of the best. These, these guys, they're like professional athletes and they are awesome. They're strong, they're buff, and they're awesome. And just look at Punio Mi. Man, look at it. I only was given a thousand bucks, but they were given five thousand, two thousand bucks. Maybe this one guy was so stuck on what other people were doing. Maybe, maybe he was overwhelmed with life. Maybe it was a bad time in life. So he was, maybe COVID happened back then too. Maybe he was full of anxiety and depression and loneliness. Maybe his life lacked meaning. We don't know. Maybe he was stuck with thinking, Life just isn't fair. Life isn't fair. I could have been born into a different family and been rich, life just isn't fair. How come, how come he didn't stop and ask the other two guys, hey, what are you doing? I see your investments are working. Hey, how come, where did you invest at? What app did you use? Where did you go on, the, what website did you go? Where did you go to invest money? He could have asked for help. But you know what one of the hardest things to do sometimes? Now when it comes to our money, Many of us very carefully, privately, can go speak with someone about what to do with our money, right? Most of us, when we want to put our money to work, we are not ashamed to pay someone a little bit of money to help us know how to make our money work. But how come when it comes to ourselves, how come when it comes to mental breakdowns, How come when it comes to insecurities that we we had, because at a young age, our parents didn't know what to do, and so we have different insecurity attachments. How come with those things, we don't know how to ask for help? There are people today who have psychiatrists, and they go talk with, you know, therapists and all those things, and they're not afraid to ask for help. But yet how many people, and we know in our country today, and we know around the world, one of the hardest things to do is to ask for help with something that is so secretive and so private. For whatever reason, this man didn't ask for help. Did not want to ask for help. What was his mindset? We know that as he said to his master, he said, you have high standards. Do you know anybody that has high standards? He said to his boss, you hate people who are careless. He said to his boss, you demand the best. Now, most bosses, if you list these things, most bosses would have these characters. They should, right? They have high standards. They want you to succeed in what you do. If you succeed, they succeed, right? Most bosses hate careless ways. Most bosses demand the best. And then he says about his boss, you make no allowance for any errors. Have you ever felt around anybody, and maybe even God in church, man, God has such high standards. Why does God always demand the best? Sometimes we put a fake pressure on ourselves that it becomes so heavy that it's hard. It's hard to do anything. And for this man in this story, he's describing his life, and he's making, really at the end of the day, he's, he's making excuses because he's driven by one thing. He's driven by fear. When you're driven by fear, you elevate your own feelings above doing what's right. When you're driven by fear, you elevate your own feelings above doing what is right. Do you know that 95% of the time we think about ourselves and our own story? 95% of our thoughts are about ourselves. Not, not marriage, not even our kids, not even our jobs. 95% of the time that we think it's about ourselves and our own story. Now, this is funny. 80% of the time, you know what our thoughts are? Negative. 80% of our thoughts, if you just Google, what are, what are the main thoughts? Just ask Google with this lovely smart device. What do we think about? 80% of our thoughts says they're negative. And if, if we think 95% about ourselves, and if we thought most of our thoughts, 80% of those thoughts are negative, they say you are what you think. What do you think about? And for me, again, I'm focused on this one guy. Because this one guy missed the opportunity to be blessed. Why did he miss it? Because of what he was thinking. It's what he was thinking. It was too late. The king replies, he says, it's a crime to live so cautiously. Turn to your neighbor, I love that word, Cautiously. The king, and this is why I love the message translation. This is why I brought it up. Because I love how the king replies in the story, it's a crime to live cautiously. And he says, give to the one who risks the most. And this is powerful. He said, get rid of the one who wanted to play it safe. Ouch, because how many of us today were living cautiously? And I know we're coming out of COVID. And I know that the vaccine mandate's gonna go away here soon, and I know that sickness is gonna disappear at least for six months. But yet how many of us are so living so cautiously, like like our life is like glass and we don't want to break it? And how many of us living with such a play it safe mentality? One day it'll be too late and you're not gonna have that choice anymore. Many, many of us don't realize the full capacity of what God's given to them until it's too late. Many of us, we don't understand how awesome we are until it's too late and your life is over. Many don't realize the beauty in marriage that God had put together until it's too late. Many don't realize the treasure that God gives us in our beautiful children until they're grown up and gone. I can't imagine when my five kids are gone. I can't imagine, you know, all the screaming and all the fighting that I've heard in 20 years, all good stuff, of course. All the competitive games. But one day all those noises will be gone. And do we as parents, have we treasured every moment, because one day what God has given, it will be gone, it will be too late. Many of us don't realize the treasure in life itself until it's too late and it's over. Many of us don't realize the treasure in people and it shows by the way we treat one another, the way that we talk to each other. And again, how many of us were living cautiously But play it safe. And so this morning I have an illustration that we're going to use. Mr. Joel, if you can come on up here and help me for a second. How many of us have ever heard the term the Trinity? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if we were, if you want to test the light, make sure it works. Beautiful. Okay, it works. If you were to look at this, you would say, okay, here's a lamp. Here's a light bulb. If I fall, you catch me, okay? All right, thanks. Light bulb, right? And then there's this little black thing that kind of comes up here, makes its way, which is called the plug. So if you were to look at this, think about the Trinity. Father God, he's like the whole lamp, right? Jesus Christ, his son, he's like the light bulb. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Holy Spirit, the power, what is it doing? It's being plugged in and it's electric, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But now I want to take it to ourselves. The Bible says we're vessels. Apostle Paul describes us as, as jars of clay, built, molded, shaped by God himself. Being a vessel, this light right here, that's our life. Now all of us, believe it or not, we have the capacity, we all have the capacity to have the light of the world, Jesus But not every one of us will take him and plug him into our life. We all have that capacity. We all have the option, the opportunity, the gospel story. Basic form is taking what God did, what God gave, accepting that gift, and then making that known. We all were given the opportunity. We get it every single day, people around the world, to take Jesus into our life. Every part of our life. Why? So that we can do what, Joel? Now, right now it's currently working, correct? You guys see the light? What happens if you unplug it? Why is church so important? Because you plug in. If you don't stay plugged into church, you know what happens? You're going to lose your light. It happens to every single person. Being plugged in. But being plugged in doesn't mean just showing up. We love every single one of you. Now, I have to say, turn to your neighbor and say you're awesome and amazing. You know, and as I look at you, it's just like Joel says. Every Sunday morning I say, we have the best ahemet right here in, in our building every single Sunday. Look at yourself and say, "Yeah, I'm the best of Hemet. I am. I'm I'm Hemet's MVP. I am the best, right? I look at you all and I say, I am so blessed with who walks in. Now, if you're missing my aunt and dad and grandma this morning, you can remember to pray for Aunt Shirtle. Her back, her sciatica is acting up, and so uh, if you remember just say a little quick prayer, you know, bless Aunt Sherry. Blah 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 blah. So anyway, we have the best. We absolutely have the best. But it's not only just to come and be and sit and watch and listen. You know what church is? It's plugging in. What can I do to help? How can I plug myself in? How can I help? Who needs help? Can I shine Joel's shoes? Can I, can I help him? What can I do to help Joel? If we never ask the question, we're never plugged in. You don't get, we don't get, we don't fully get the Bible. We don't fully get his word. We don't fully get the light of Jesus Christ, honestly, until we are, sorry, Daniel, slipped on your headphones. We're plugged in. Because you know what happens when we're plugged in? It's just like the story in here, the parable of the talents. It's something that we do with each other. You know, we had a staff meeting here Thursday night, And it was kind of a fun staff meeting. You want to run? You want to book it? Okay. All right, bye. (laughs) And if you're here Thursday night, you would say, wow, that seemed like a really, it's probably one of our funnest staff meetings ever, right? But you know, there are certain things that happen in the staff meeting. I heard Sixto say some very wise, profound words. If he wasn't here, those words would have never been spoken. That's what plugging in is all about. If you're not here, you have the wisdom in your brain power. It is so powerful and amazing. But it's not just meant just to sit. It's meant to be plugged in. It's meant for you to share it with somebody. We need one another. Life is about connection. And it's about being plugged in. Now we know how many of us that we do plug ourselves into a number of things. There are so many different things that we plug ourselves into. What you plug yourself into is what you become. Where you spend, remember, we steward our time, the capacity, resources. Where you spend your time, it's what you're plugged into. Where do we plug ourselves into? And do we plug ourselves into things or are we plugged into Him? The people that you surround yourself with, do you plug yourself into people? And those people that you plug yourself into, are they honestly good for you? And if they're not honestly good for you, you know, I was having a conversation the other day and I was saying, as a leader, and all of us are leaders this morning, we have to learn how to guard our life. We have to learn to be guarded. We have to learn what the input and output is in our, in our life is. By what we listen to, by what we watch, by the people that we hang out with. When, when life, when we see that life in the last 20 years, in the last two and a half years, through COVID, life has changed so drastically. We talk about it, that it could be the end. Jesus could be coming back, right? All of those things. And because all those things are happening, moving, and shaking, how important is it to make sure we know the people that we're plugged into. You know the people you should be plugged into when they tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. If all your friends tell you what you want to hear, those aren't the friends for you. If your friends tell you what God's word says, then you know you're plugged into the right people. I close with this verse this morning, Mark 11:22. Jesus said to the disciples, "Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. have faith in God. You can say to this mountain, "May you be lifted up, thrown in the sea, and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen, and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe you received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, First, forgive anyone who you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You know, Jesus kind of outlines successful prayers. And he ended with this. If you're holding a grudge against anybody, he says, I'm not listening to your prayers. If there's anybody that you're bitter towards, if there's anybody that you're jealous towards, if there's anybody that you have an issue with or you're angry at, and how many of us haven't been angry at God at one time or another, right? Angry at God, angry at people, angry at this person, angry at this person, angry at them and that, right? Jesus said, if you want your prayers to be answered, forgive everybody. Because if you don't forgive, then I don't forgive you. And he said, have faith in God. In another part of scripture, he said, if your faith is small as a mustard seed, small, this small, if you believe, then you can do anything. This morning, so I close with our capacity. And at different times of life, I do believe that many of us, we've all felt like this container. I just wasn't given much. We graduated, we got the Kona Ice Cup, we moved up, we were really short and different and clear and see through. And then we became a little bit more private, full of ice. <laughs> With a little flavor, right? Get a little flavor in there. Some of us really graduated, went from Kona Ice, we went to Baja Fresh. Starbucks. Who which one of us is not? You want it, buddy? Order up. Some of us graduated into super tall ones, right? Curves. Honestly, it really doesn't matter what capacity you have today. It doesn't matter if you feel that you're, you're at this one right here. I have nothing left. I barely got anything. All that matters because he says if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you can change the world. If your faith is this tiny. And this morning all of us in here, my title was the boundaries of faith being focused on one. Because which one of us haven't been focused on the faith that God wants us to have in him. How many of us get so caught up in the worries of life and the worries of so many different things that it takes away our faith in God? Just like the guy in the story, there was one guy who lived with regret the rest of his life because he did nothing. I don't want you to be that person. I want to see you blessed beyond blessed, beyond blessed, beyond blessed. And I don't mean that means bigger bank accounts. That would be nice though. I don't mean that you get a private jet and a limo to drive you around and a chauffeur unless you invite me. I don't mean that, you know, you're, you get a Rolex and you, you buy the best car out there and you have the nicest clothes. That's not blessing. When God blesses you, when you feel the blessing of God, there's absolutely nothing like it in the world. Everything clicks, everything turns, and everything works out perfectly. When God's for you, no one, no one can stand in your way. Let's not be the one. Let's not be the one this morning. Focus on ourselves. focus on our feelings, focus on our mind, 80% thoughts, negative all the time. Let's not be that one. Let's be the one we have. No matter our age this morning, no matter how, how none of us are old, we're all young. No matter how young we are in here this morning, you have the opportunity to change this entire valley and do great things for God. Don't take what God's given to you and bury it in the sand and say, I ain't doing nothing. Don't be stubborn. Don't be the one. Use what God's put in you. Because when you pass away at your funeral, do you want zero? Or do you want to be remembered by thousands? If we're only focused on ourselves, it's not going to be the greatest funeral. You're not going to be remembered. You're not going to be loved. Life is short, just like me. Life is short. What will you do with the rest? Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and we do thank you for a beautiful Sunday morning. God, we thank you for your, again, your grace and your mercy, which covers us every single day. God, with our eyes closed this morning, God, as we're thinking about the stories, we're listening, God, as we're talking about the boundaries of faith and having faith in you, as we're talking about lamps and light bulbs and plugs. God, I pray to say all of this. Have we accepted the light of the world into our hearts this morning? Have we plugged the light of the world into our heart, have we plugged You, God, this morning? I pray this morning with our eyes closed that we would have that honest question with ourselves this morning. Have I honestly plugged You, Jesus, into my life so that You shine through every part of my body? Have I plugged You, Jesus, into my mind so that You shine through every one of my thoughts? Have I plugged You into my heart so that You shine through every one of my emotions? Have I plugged You into my life so that You shine through every single Part of my life. And this morning with your eyes closed, ask yourself that question. Is Jesus truly a part of my life? Because every story has a beginning and it doesn't really begin until we start right here. Is Jesus fully plugged into you? Is Jesus fully inside of you? And in this moment, if he's not All you have to do, lift up your eyes to heaven. Lift up your eyes to heaven and say, Jesus, I want you to be plugged into me. Jesus, I believe this morning. Jesus, be the light of the world inside of me. Jesus, come and live in my life this morning and take hold and control. Jesus, come and be the leader of my life and give me a new path to walk on. Jesus, I surrender to you this morning, and I give you all that I have. This morning, honestly, as we take that deeper, too, as we think about the plug and we think about the power, we can't be honest and successful Christians without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that revives us. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that teaches us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that ignites something, a dynamite power inside of us. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does something inside of us that we can't do on our own. And so this morning with your eyes closed, if you need a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, just simply ask, Holy Spirit, fill me up. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit this morning. God, fill me with you this morning. God, fill me and make me new this morning with you. God... Fill me with power, God, to be your witness and to be your servants everywhere we go and everything that we do. God, as we leave here this morning, strengthen us and empower us to never, ever be that one guy again. Help us to never be that one guy again, but help us to make a difference in this world, in our families, in our kids, God, into this valley. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.